You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. I'd say probably a lot of my partners always say, "Get ready for a day of pulling that anchor." So, um, <laughs> you know what I mean. I don't. I don't like to sit around one spot. And you know the 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 late Malcolm Ruddick. Um, I always remember he brought a story from a few people, and they always say, you know, he'd be fishing somewhere for about ten or fifteen minutes. And he goes, "We're going. We're leaving. We're out of here." Right? And they're like, "Well, what?" And he's like, "I don't feel it here. Let's go." <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm the same way. I like to move around a lot. I like to really move, move, and, and yeah. try different things. You know, try angles. Um, you know, Ken Woodward and I once were were uh, were fishing a comp, and uh, we were partners together, and um, we were fishing type seven with a gonfish, and we found out the fish were sitting on the drop off, and but you had to cast the drop off and let it go down and pull it back out off the drop off to get the fish. Where if we went onto the onto the drop off, like onto the shallow, and cast it down and brought it up, they wouldn't take it. That's so, that's little things like that. But I know, and using yeah. the same pattern, we wouldn't get a fish. You know, casting, letting it go down, coming up. It had to be out casting to and to drop, going down, and then bringing it off down deep. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Very happy you chose to join us today, and we're going to head out to British Columbia, Canada. We're going to go to Abbotsford specifically. We've got John Wilkinson on the line. Now, John is a avid fly fisher, competitive fly fisher. Uh, he's been in the North American Lock Style Championships, uh, the Canadian National Championships, even was in the uh, 2018 U.S. National Championships in Bend, Oregon. And uh, also takes a big-time competitor in the BC Fly Fishing League. Has won first place uh, with uh, Lake and Points champion and also uh, second place and River Points champion. So we, we, we know a pretty well-rounded uh, fly fisher. John, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me here. I'm uh, honored actually to be here and talking with all the fly fishing group. Awesome. Um, let, let's, let's cut to the chase, man. Let's, let's, let's hit the rewind button, take it back to kind of day one, if you will. How, how did you come to discover fly fishing? Um, so basically, uh, when I started fly fishing, um, we, we've, we've had a cabin, uh, in our family up at Lane Lake since 1974, uh, when I was seven years old. So I was learning how to fish with my grandfather um, trolling, you know, um, worms and stuff like that. And, and a little bit of bar fishing. And, uh, you know, one day my, my brother, Brian actually, um, got onto fly fishing and, um, um, I was kind of getting into the river thing, you know, gear fishing with rivers and stuff. Um, but he really enjoyed this fly fishing and 
um, you know, getting into some patterns and he was starting to tie and stuff. And I kind of got interested on it. So, so my brother was the one that got me started on fly fishing. Um, and then of course my dad and I, we, we kind of joined up with them and, uh, you know, we, we started with a, um, a sink tip and, uh, like a 12 foot sink tip, uh, a long leader. And, um, we would use either crawnies or, um, uh, pheasant tail nymphs, um, and also leeches. And we would just, where what we kind of made up was we found it worked best when you let the fly sink, you know, near to the bottom with the sink tip and then a couple kicks and coast. And that's kind of how it all kind of got started from there. I, I think I had a friend of yours on that referred to that as contour trolling. <laughs> Does that ring a bell? It, it's basically what we did. Yes. And then, you know, we started trolling dragons and, you know, kind of, you know, figure, you know, seeing that kind of stuff and kind of figuring out, Hey, there's some other patterns, you know, that work a little faster. And, um, but it was actually one day I was sitting, I was out in front of the cabin and, uh, and my dad goes, you got to watch this guy out front of the cabin. He's, he's anchored there and he's just hitting fish after fish. And so, you know, I pulled up a chair and we sat there and watched this guy and he was, um, fishing, you know, a chronomid under an indicator. And he was just, it was every cast and, um, and you know, obviously Layton's a good crony lake. And, but, uh, yeah, this guy was just blowing me away. And that's just kind of when chronomids were getting started. And, uh, Man, after seeing that, I, I said, I got to figure that out. Like, it's that is just, you know, it's so effective. And uh, so I said, no, nah, we got to learn how to do that. So that's, well, that's a, that was the second phase. That's a good transition because uh, where I'd like to go to next is who did you learn from? Because I've had people on the show that say they learned a lot from you fishing with you. But who would you <laughs> kind of look to as, as, as your mentors? Well, you know, first of all, um, you know, when it comes to lakes, um, you know, um, I remember the first time we were at the Trojan Pond um, Derby. Um, it's a fundraiser that we were doing every year, and um, they do that in August. And I remember Todd Oshi was, I was watching Todd, and, and Todd Oshi was in the boat. And, and you know, we were we were crony fishing and, you know, pulling leeches and some other things. But I remember watching him, and he was stripping 100 miles per hour. And he would strip his fly almost back to the boat and then he'd stop and then he'd wait a second and then boom, a fish. And he would do that again and he'd get another fish and he'd do the same thing. And I was like, what is he doing? Like, it, I couldn't believe a guy could strip a, a fly that fast and that hard and then get a fish at, at the end. But what I was didn't know and what I had to learn was, you know, he was getting fish to, you know, he's, he's attracting the fish, getting them to chase. And then when they're getting near the boat, he was doing the hang. And it was basically the fish were taking on the hang. He was getting them to, to follow it. So so Todd was kind of a mentor to me to, to um, you know, to meet up my game in that aspect of using, you know, sinking lines more and um, different retrieves and, and stuff like that. Um, I was doing okay with the crawnies and had a couple of friends that were pretty good at that too. So. Um, I would say Todd was probably the first one to kind of get me interested. And he's the one that actually asked me to get into competitive fly fishing after I started doing really good at the uh, Trojan Pond Derbies. Um, and uh, basically the second person um, that um, inspired me and, and probably he taught me, I wouldn't say the most as far as fly fishing, but he, he taught me like what it means to fly fish 
and be in a competition. And this was my first competition, and this was um, Gordon Bacon. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of Gord Bacon. I've, I have heard the name. I, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. T- tell us about Gord. Yeah. So Gord Bacon was, um, he was a captain of uh, Team Canada. And I believe that's in the worlds when they had it at Tonkwa and Roche. And I can't remember the other lake, but um, he, he's been a captain for Team Canada. And so Gord Bacon is one of the nicest, funny guys that I've like ever met. And I remember the first time that I actually went to meet him and we were going to practice together because um, I was on his team. I was put on the team by Todd and I went out with him and, he, you know, he's the loudest guy on the dock. He, he, he laughs, he's talking with everybody. You always know where Gord Bacon is. And uh, I went out fishing with him and, you know, we, we had a great time. I learned a few things from him on, uh, you know, how to do lock style and stuff like that quickly and um but he he told me he just says john you know you know it doesn't matter what happens competitions or whatever i go he goes fly fishing is fun and always remember that he goes have fun you know don't worry about anything else just just have fun with it and have a good time and and that always stuck with me and you'll you'll see now like well you may not see but if you talk to other people that's kind of the way i am now when there's when there's competitions or when even when there's a group of people around it's not a competition i'm probably one of the louder guys out there <laughs> you you find that kind of bringing the fun to the water helps maybe i don't want to say with the nerves you know and all the pressure that comes with competitive fly fishing but is that kind of uh up your game if that makes sense oh yeah without a doubt for me yeah um, I see some people that, you know, you can tell sometimes they're maybe a little bit nervous and, you know, or whatever. Right. And, you know, and they don't want to do well. I don't, I don't want to do well, but um, yeah, I, I, I try to relax them and, and that's just a way of me of having fun and relaxing. I've always just been that way. So um, I just, I like to be, you know, joke around and, and uh, make it fun for everybody. Right. No matter what we're doing, even if we're just hanging out on a lake with a couple guys and there's two or three boats. Right. It's, it, yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta have a good time. You gotta have a laugh, right? You, get, you know, it's, that's, well, that's, that's what fishing is all about. Exactly. Well said. Okay. So let's, yeah. let's take a little time to get to know you off the water. You ready for a few questions here? Yeah, you bet. All right. Let's talk tunes. So if you're headed to your favorite stretch of river or yes. favorite still water, what's playing in the truck? Well, on the way out, um, I really like, um, like, like a hard rock. I like hard rock, classic rock, uh, country rock, you know, um, yep. or southern rock, as they say. Um, so, yeah, I've, if I was going out there, like like a song like Flirting with Disaster by Molly Hatchet, uh, <laughs> maybe some, okay. you know, something like that, you know, something to get yeah. you going, even uh, old Metallica. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of the old Metallica. If I hear like a real old song from Metallica, um, you know, that just kind of gets me going, right? Some old Van Halen sure. or something like that. So, yeah. Uh, I, and, uh, but, you know, on, on the way back, um, you know, after a day of fishing and something like that, then maybe some, you know, softer something, maybe like some Fleetwood Mac or Steely Dan, something like that. Yeah. Just kinda, so get you know, fired up in the morning and kind of chill out in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. You betcha. Yeah. yeah. I haven't heard Molly Hatchet in a long time. That's actually one of the first albums I ever bought. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about those guys. Yeah, that's a, yeah, a couple of good teams there for sure. Uh, one go-to fly pattern. So um, let's say let's let's say you're doing your competitive thing, and I know you guys maybe have a few mm-hmm. secret patterns you're sitting on. I don't know. <laughs> um, what's one fly pattern you reach for more often than not? 
Well, I would, you know, I know some people don't, or, or you know, like I would say probably a dragon uh, to start and probably a blob. So I would, I'd probably work either one of those to, to find out, um, first of all, are the fish aggressive? Um, you know, what state they're in? Do they want fast, slow, how deep? Um, uh, and that's probably the first one that I'd start with. What, what color is your go-to blob these days? Well, you know, of course, everybody uses tequila. Um, but um, I've come up with one, and it's called Johnny's Shrimp Ball. And uh, I kind of laughed, and it's kind of like a light pink over uh, um, like a biscuit, like a biscuit color, so yeah. like a light tan color. Sure. Um, and that one has been working pretty good this year so far. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we're always trying to come up with kind of some different flies, different colors, um, and how fish react to them, obviously. Yeah. And so it seems to be a good good color, especially when the sun's out and stuff like that, for sure. Sounds to me like you have a real scientific approach to, to the pastime. Yeah, um, you know, and that's and and that's what you learn through obviously the years of fishing. But um, I found through the um, last probably ten years that I've been competing, um, is is you really focus on fish and um, kind of what they're feeling or what they're doing, um, and what their behavior is at that time. Um, and that's why I like to use like a Type Seven and and rip and strip and and just right off the bat get a feel for. Or, you know what they want and um, colors, patterns, light, sunny, you know, dark out. Um, those all, those are all big factors too, mm. right? Sometimes even the size of the fly, you can have the right fly, um, but you're two sizes out, yep. and you may, you know, you may get an odd fish, but if you change and you try that pattern in a couple different sizes quickly, you right. might find that you know a 14 is better than a 10. Let's say you're stripping that uh, blob. What, how important is it in your mind, okay, the sun's behind me, the sun's in front of me? I find, I, I notice that a lot in the boat. Yeah, you know, that's another good point, too. Um, obviously, wind's going to play a factor, right? Um, and, it, you know, if you can punch sometimes a line into the wind, right, bring the blob back um, towards you with, with the wind. Sometimes fish are facing that way. And I have had times, too, where, um, you know, it's good at one end of the lake when the sun's going down. And you're um, maybe on the on the inside of it, like where it's going down more towards that side. Um, it's it, you know some of those factors are things that I try to remember and you know put my memory bank and uh, you know try again for next time. Do you write a lot of this stuff down, or do you actually put it in your memory bank? Because my memory is not very good. I find <laughs> if I don't write it down, it probably never happened. <laughs> we try to write it down, and uh, I, I try to do the same thing too. Um, and uh, no, I probably don't write down enough. I, I should write down more, hmm. um, but we always discuss it a lot, right? And, you know, I have some teammates like Mike and Brian and, and a few other guys, and you know, we always we always talk about um, you know about about certain things like that, right? And and bring it up, right? And, and those are some things I always think about, even when I'm out just fishing for fun, not even the competition, just you know being on the lake, and I just try to think of all the different factors that are going on, right? What the birds doing, and what's on the water, and stuff like that. And, yeah. So, so and you trying to remember all those different things, right? So yeah, hundred percent. But it is, it can be tough. Yeah. So uh, when you're not on the water, um, where's your favorite place to talk fishing? So is there a local fly shop you like to frequent? Is it social media? Is it you know in the workplace? Where do you get your fix when you're not in your waders? Um. So as far as that, um, 
probably just um, like, you know, tying, obviously, you know, I'll do some tying when it's downtime. Um, not a lot of tying. I'll just refresh a few things and, and maybe just try a few new patterns um, and, you know, researching um, for new patterns and, and, and different things like that, you know, going online and, and um, you know, you're on Facebook and, um, you know, have some different, like, you know, there's Euro Nymph and then, you know, still waters and, um, you know, there's a bunch of different five, five BC and, you know, you just kind of hunt around and, you know, sometimes I even go back in the archives. A lot of people don't do that, but I go back in the archives like from like six years ago and see what guys were posting and hmm. what they were using back then. Right. And, uh, so I so find I, that, I, that's what I do. In my time. That to me, John is really fascinating because I, I mean, I always think of patterns that I used 20 years ago. I'm not fishing those patterns anymore, but they used to light it up. So, hey, why don't they work now? Or, or maybe they do, and I just kind of moved on to something else, you know? Um, you know what? I, I, I still, I like, like, you know, like the carry patterns and, and the nymphs and stuff like that, and some of the old dragons, gonfus. Um, there's, some, there's some older patterns um, out there that I, I still use, and... Um, you know, I found that when fish are not aggressive, um, they'll take an older pattern like a like a Doc Spratly and, um, you know, even like a Red Spratly and, and um, maybe like a, a small thin carry and, and something else. You know, those those kind of bugs there and um, and they work. Right. And they just, yeah. you know, you don't strip them along very fast, trying to make it natural. Um well, they just I find... look buggy. Mm-hmm. Some, of, some of those old patterns just look buggy, and they don't necessarily imitate one thing. Exactly, and that, and that can be it too, right? Um, so sometimes fish are really tenant, like really they want something just the right color and right size, and other times, you know, if you're just if you're in that zone and uh, you're pretty close to it and, you know, they're feeding, then, then you're going to have a pretty good day. So, But I like to go back to the old patterns. I can remember one time we were we were fishing all kinds of coronament patterns, and you know the patterns are so specific now, but nothing was working. And Buddy threw on just a an old olive fifty two Buick. <laughs> it was yeah. like, man, I forgot about yeah. that pattern. That 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 used to you know slay them, but yeah, and and that's a great summer pattern, right? Like uh, you know late spring and summer and stuff, right? That's a that's a great pattern for when caddis are out and stuff, and yeah. Um, now in the fall or early spring when they're on chronomids or, you know, late fall, you know, and they're on shrimp or other things like that, then it might not work as good, but you know, you still might get a few, right? And if you get a late caddis hatch, you, you know, you might get a few on that too. Right. So. Well, and sometimes it's, that's all it takes is getting that one, especially on the still, if you can get a throat sample, then it's like, okay, uh, this is what's going on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now, sometimes you chop a lot of leader if you go through flies like I do. So, <laughs> oh, you you're a guy that changes a lot. That surprised me oh, for yeah. some reason. Yeah, no, I um, I'll, I'll go through patterns, but I'll um, you know, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time. Like fish will tell you pretty quick what they want, yeah, and I, what they're on. So, um, some, yeah, and I and so you see sometimes, um, you know, I'll look down on the top of my fly bag and. I'll have probably so sometimes by the end of the day, 15, 20 different patterns sitting on top of my fly bag. So, so it's just the ones that I've, you know, during the day, I just hook them on on top and just have them out there. So I know I've kind of used and tried. Right. So my good fishing buddy has this thing he does. He, he always starts with whatever he finished with on the last lake, oh, which, okay. which is unique <laughs> and it works for him. I mean, for me, yeah. I just, I, I, I don't know if I could do that, but it works for him, but. 
Maybe it doesn't work in the morning, works good in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know what? If you stick with anything long enough, you're probably going to eventually hook something. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, let's talk sports. So mm-hmm. who's your go-to in sports? Are you Canucks, Seahawks? Um, <laughs> otherwise, I mean, who, who, who do you cheer yep. for? All right, so I am a big-time Raiders fan. So uh, the black and the silver and black, that's, that's my team ever since I've been a kid. I just love the uh, the Raiders, the NFL. Yeah, um, cool. Blue Jays, Blue Jays are uh, my favorite baseball team. Nice. Uh, same thing. Liked them over the years, and, and I even like them now. They're they're on the road back. And uh, Canucks is my um, favorite team now. When I was a kid, um, Boston Bruins, Big Bad Bruins was uh, was one of my favorite teams. When when Boston played that style of hockey, that was I just loved it. And I played hockey when I, when all through my life. And and uh, my dad was a was a Habs fan, so Canadians fan, um, and uh, yeah, so I had to be a Bruins fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's a good way to kind of part the supper table. Um, I, so is is Vegas on your list when things open up here? You probably want to see the, uh, your Raiders play in person. Oh, without a doubt, yes. Yeah, my daughter turned twenty one uh, last year, so I owe her a trip down to Vegas. I can't wait. We take her. So can't wait to get yeah. in there and watch them lose to the Broncos. <laughs> uh, yeah. game on um love the banter yeah. <laughs> um mm-hmm. biggest lesson you've learned in your fly fishing journey so mm-hmm. i kind of like to think of this as distilling down what we do what brings us to the water why we love it so much what do you get out of fly fishing um well oh, let's see here um, probably like as far as the biggest lesson that I've learned in fly fishing, um, as far as, as fishing goes, it's, it's, you know, like retrieves and changing conditions. So, you know, adapting to those. Right. Um, and when it comes to retrieves, um, uh, each fly, I have probably three different retrieves for each fly. And so I think that's something that, you know, people need to do more is uh, you might have the right fly, you maybe have the wrong retrieve. Hmm. So I've seen, I've seen that work and I, and you know, and I've seen it where it works really good and you know, get the odd fish. I change my retrieve and then all of a sudden I hit one after another. Oh, it's all I had to do is just change a retrieve. Um, that's so, good, good, good Intel there. Yeah, it is really, it's one of the biggest things. So you're so close and you might take it off, but you know what, you should try three different retrieves before you take it off. So, so I've always, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned through, um, through fly fishing of all the years, you know, is, is always change your retrieves. Even if you're using a, an indicator, right? Try the different retrieves with an indicator, try stripping it, try inching along just, or try hanging it. Right. So, right. Yeah. I really find it fascinating talking to, um, those in the con- competitive fly fishing world, because I think that's where a lot of us amateurs and that just do this for fun. That's where we mm-hmm. learn too, right? Because you, you guys are, are out there so much with so much intent, you know, if I don't catch a fish, I don't catch a fish. But when you got three or four team members or more relying on you, that, that probably mm-hmm. makes you kind of shorten that learning curve and figure it out in a hurry. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and it is so true. And it, you know, like with your lines and your depths, right. You know, you know, it's just, it's it's such a huge thing. I, I I know one time I was fishing with a guy in my boat and we were competing and he had a you know uh, the vampire leech on, and so did I. 
and I had the same one. He had a type five on, I had a type three. He was getting, he was out fishing me four to one. Uh, and that was it. Like just two inches per second. He was out fishing me and we're using the exact same flies. Wow. And so, yeah. So yeah, as soon as I went to a type five and I got down a little bit more, I started hitting fish just like he was. And so that, that's all it took. So, hmm. so, you know, it's, you know, when you're, you know, when you're fishing, um, you know, on lakes and stuff like that, those things that you gotta, you know, you gotta remember too, right. You know, try to dial in where those fish are too. You know, once you get the pattern, you know, okay, if this pattern is really good, let's try on a type seven, like, let's get it way down there. If not, okay, let's bring it up. So, uh, I've seen intermediate line, um, out fish, you know, type three, where type three, maybe is too, too deep and they're almost getting under the fish. And, uh, you know, an intermediate is staying right in the zone and, and you're doing much better. So, so yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the key, isn't it? You just hit it on the head, stay in the zone, yeah. whatever that zone happens to be on that give, any given day. Given day or even uh, that given couple hours, mm, you know, yeah. sun comes up, it starts getting warmer. All of a sudden those fish aren't there. It's still in the same pattern, but all of a sudden it's like, hmm, I'm not really hitting them now. So, you know, maybe we've got to move out a little bit more and let's try a deeper line and, and you find them again. So, right. so uh, yeah, always a good thing to remember. It, it, do you have a standard line that you go to right out of the gate or are you always kind of reading the water first and then making that call? Um, out of the gate, um, type seven, if, if, you know, if it's like summer, unless it's like, you know, like late fall or really early spring where I know the fish are going to be right up tight. Um, if, if we're into May going through May, right through to August, early September, maybe type seven would be probably the first line that I'll put on. So how uh, just no, type you know, seven is like how many inches per second? Seven inches per second. Yeah. So that's fast, yeah. man. It's fast. Yeah. But you can, you know, you can, you can start in a little bit closer and you can, you know, cast it out and then start retrieving it right away. And, and you know what I mean? And, and start working your way down and then, you know, let it sink and do a countdown and then, and then bring it through and then kind of, you know, try to find where those fish are. Let's say you, you wait one full second. So technically it should be about seven feet down. So if you strip that thing fast enough or however you're fishing it, will it stay in that <laughs> zone or will it still kind of sink a bit? It'll, it'll keep sinking like on, yeah. So you're going seven inches per second. So yeah, it'll, it'll keep sinking, but if, and again, it depends on what retrieves you're doing with your fly, right? So if you're doing a blob, you can, you know, work it slower, but if you're, if you're going, if they're hitting it slow, but you're hanging the bottom too much, then you want, maybe you want to go to type five, right? Or type three. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you, you know, using type seven, you're going down, you're stripping it hard and fast and they're drilling it. Then you, you basically, you've got it. Now you just figure out exactly, you know, the countdown roughly to where they are. And then, you know, if you strip it hard long, you won't catch weeds or the bottom and then you're good to go. So, yeah, that's, so. That, that's some good, good tips right there. Um, fill in the <laughs> blank for me, John, when, when sure. I'm not fly fishing, I'm usually doing what? Um, so, well, I used to play sports. Uh, <laughs> I had to retire from softball hockey. So now when I'm not, um, I'm, I golf every Wednesday with the guys. About 12 of us that go out every Wednesday. And um, when we go golfing and also walk my dog and get a ridge back. And so uh, we take him out um, every other night and uh, take him out for good walks, long walks. And, um, yeah, maybe get back to the gym here as soon as the you know, COVID thing slows down. The gyms kind of open up a little more. Yeah. get back to the gym so yeah good good stuff 
Um, mm -hmm. So let's take it back to the water. I kind of get a get a feeling. Now I think we have a feeling for kind of your neck of the woods, what you're up to uh, day to day. What what is your yep. day job? And I never did actually get that on the show yet. What what do you do for uh, for a day job? Um, I'm a partsman for uh, Cummins um, Western Canada, so Cummins Diesel Engines. Right um, been there for 26 years now. So those things don't um, stop running, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, uh, yeah, we do generators. Um, we do, you know, the engines, uh, marine. Um, do all the different stuff there, and um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a good job. Um, um, they take care of you there and stuff. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been, you know, it's, it's you know, sur or made my family, you know, prosper and, and everything else. Right. So, uh, so does that yeah. afford you time to go fishing? I mean, I know you've been in one, you know, in one company for a long mm -hmm. time. Does that really work in your favor when you, when you got these comps coming up? Yeah, it does because I've been there a long time. So um, the holidays are good. So definitely, uh, I have time to take off um, to go do you know the comps and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and um, yeah, with the days off and everything else, and everybody at work knows that I love to fish. So <laughs> they're not surprised when when they know I'm taking off for a couple weeks to go fishing somewhere or do a competition or you know heading up to the interior for two weeks. You know, maybe caribou and Kamloops and stuff like that. So. So let's let's talk about your competitive career so far. So I know you said you spent a lot of time Trojan Pond Derby over the years, kind of getting getting the feet yep. wet, if you will. Where did you go after that? Like, what was the first kind of real comp that you kind of said, "I think I'm going to do this a little more seriously"? Um, so the so after yeah, I did the Trojan Pond for I think eight or nine years, and then that's when Todd asked me um, if I wanted to get into you know competitive fly fishing i didn't know a lot about it and um so i uh i, I said yeah you know I'd, I'd love to do that i'm a I'm super competitive guy um and uh so i i said yeah you know what i'd really like to see what i can do and um you know and just see what it's all about and i was kind of nervous like to say when i first got onto it and um so we did the i believe it was the um i don't know if i the North American lock style, I think was one of the first ones I did. And that was with, um, Gordon Bacon and, uh, Peter Hoogiebart and, um, a few other guys. And, um, so there's like five on each team. And, uh, so yeah, that's where I kind of cut my teeth and, and, uh, you know, started doing, started doing okay. And, and, uh, from there, I just, it was just unbelievable learning curve. Um, for about the next three or four years, I just kept learning more and more. And, um, this, you know, and then that's when I met Randy Pascal was actually on my first comp and uh, him and I fished together in the boat and, uh, you know, we, we got along pretty good and I kind of knew him from the Flyfish BC site and kind of knew of, knew of word of him. And so we fished together and we got along pretty good and, and, um, you know, and then we started fishing together in the Trojan Pond Derby too. Um, you know, he was there with Dev and, um, so we got to know each other even a little bit better. And, and, um, you know, as we got, got into about, I think it was about three years into comp fishing. I had, I knew I had to learn how to fish rivers better because you fish lakes and you fish rivers. And, um, Randy was, Randy told me, he says, if you want to learn how to do rivers, cause he knew how to nymph and everything else. He says, I'll, I'll, I'll take you out and I'll show you. And, uh, so yeah, he took me out, he showed me everything he knows about nymphing, the setups, um, you know, the water, 
I'd done a lot of steelheading over the years, so I already knew kind of where fish lay and stuff like that. And he he just showed me how to do it. And you know, it's funny. I call him, I call him Mr. Miyagi um, because you know I was basically Danielson, and and uh, I you know I was his I was his student. He was the teacher, and uh, man, he just you know I owe a lot. All, probably almost all my river fishing, I owe you know nymphing and stuff for competition. I owe to him. So. Well, his exact um, words about you were, you're a monster of an angler, just the way he said it. Uh, and it, man, I got to reach out to John because your name's come up quite a few times. And uh, I always kind of, I have a checklist and I have this little list and it's like, okay, I write it down and then I'll go back and like, okay, I got to do a show this week. I'm like, oh man, I got, I haven't talked to John yet. So um, it's kind of, well, it's kind of it's it's cool. Words, so. It's cool how it flows and it's such a small, small circle. I mean, you got a lot of you guys know yeah. each other, fish with each other, compete against each other. Um, yeah. It's a small, and, and, go ahead. Yeah, and, and it is. And, and that's how you learn to, and you meet more people and, um, you know, like I, you know, we had um, Nels there just before COVID. Um, team Team Ireland came over, and you know, I got to fish with Peter Driver, who's like their, you know, team captain, and one of the world's best flat fishermen. And cool. um, I got to spend a, I got to spend a day on Leighton with them, uh, practicing for the Nels, and, and it was just awesome, right? And and uh, met some guys from England. I met all the guys from down the states, like Team Freestone from back in New York, and. Lauren Williams and Sean Crocker and Andrew and uh, all those guys, Steve Goods, Ken, and then and uh, and then all the youth too. You know the um, the uh, USA youth team loves to come up here and fish the um, the Nels, and uh, so we've actually done you know a couple. Um, uh, we have like an off day during the Nels before the competition starts. We have like a training day or, you know, a day that we spend with the youth and on Leighton and we take all the kids out, and, you know, like Rob Stroud and myself, Todd and, and a bunch of other guys will take the, the youth out and, um, you know, spend, spend part of a day with them and just kind of show them what we know and, yeah. you know, help them come along. Right. And uh, That's so awesome. you're, you're, you're taking and you're giving, right. It's, it's, it's really cool. That's well said. Is there somebody yeah. in your mind that you're like, uh, man, I hope I get a chance to fish with that gal or that guy. Is there somebody on your kind of radar? You're like, man, I hope I end up, you know, in, in maybe some practice comps or something it, fishing mm-hmm. with. Oh man. Who would, you know, and this is the thing I've fished with a lot of really good rods. Um, I would probably have to say, um, Man, this is a tough one. I'm just trying to think. I mean, I've had the pleasure of fishing like with Canada's best, some of the U.S. best. Like I had Devin Olson down the U.S. Nationals. I got to fish. He was in my group. Um, uh, so, you know, I. Uh, you got me on this one. It's all good. I thought there might be somebody kind of, you know, I always, I always hear John. Does it John Horsey? That name comes up a lot. Yeah, John Horsey. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? Yeah, he is a pretty, yeah, he's a very good angler for England. Um, I'd have to say that. I mean, I'm very fortunate to be able to fish. Um, uh, I fished a couple of days with, uh, David R.K., who's a world mm, champion. Right. And he came out here and we, uh, went, we went out and fished, um, the Skagit River. Oh man, that was, that was fun. That was really cool. He's to fish a, like with the, a world champion. Yeah. He's, he's from Spain, isn't he? Yep. Yeah, and you you never seen a guy whirl a, a dry fly around like he can. It's it's amazing, amazing. Huh. 
he is such a good rod and the way he just handles the rods and uh, it's just incredible on a river it's just and obviously he's good on lakes too right so yeah on the topic so, yeah, of- i don't know i don't know if i really have an answer for well, you okay. on that one um, you know, I mean, a lot of the guys I fish with, but yeah, I, you know, I'm sure, yeah, John Horsey would, would definitely be a, a good rod, and uh, Howard Crofton's a good one too from uh, from England. So, hmm. but yeah, uh, you know what? It, you know, for me, hey, I'll take anybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll take you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, no, you, you can't, you can't put me in any category. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll beat the water up hard like there'll be it'll be foam on either side of the boat but um <laughs> it's it's funny like I I've been doing this so long I've never worked on my casting it's okay mm-hmm. I mean I think yeah. I I can cast it gets out there but it ain't pretty and I've I've uh I've taken a few shots across the bow over the years on it but you know what mm-hmm. I'm too old to relearn new tricks other than for me, the yeah. entomology, the patterns—that's where I get my excitement. I don't get excited about casting. It's just me personally. Yeah. I know some people really yeah. get off on casting and techniques. I couldn't care less. I just want to get the line out there, but I want to learn the entomology, learn where the fish are. And so, talking to somebody like right. yourself that mm-hmm. is always kind of trying to move the needle, kind of drive, drive what kind of you know what are these fish feeding on? Where are they in the water column? That stuff really I find interesting. Yeah, um, I would say probably a lot of my partners always say, get ready for a day of pulling that anchor. So, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, I don't like to sit around one spot and, you know, the, the, the late Malcolm Ruddick, um, I always remember he brought a story from a few people and they always say, you know, he'd be fishing somewhere for about 10 or 15 minutes. And he goes, we're going, we're leaving, we're out of here. Right. And they're like, well, what? And he's like, I don't feel it here. Let's go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I like to move around a lot. I like to really move, move, and, yeah. and try different things. You know, try angles. Um, you know, Ken Woodward and I once were were uh, were fishing a comp, and uh, we were partners together, and um, we were fishing type seven with a gonfis, and we found out the fish were sitting on the drop off, and but you had to cast the drop off and let it go down and pull it back out off the drop off to get the fish, where if we went onto the, onto the drop off, like onto the shallow and cast it down and brought it up, they wouldn't take it. That's, so, that's little things like that. But I know. And using yeah. the same pattern, we wouldn't get a fish, you know, casting, letting it go down, coming up. It had to be out casting to, and to drop going down and then bringing it off down deep. That's the only way. I, re- I remember a day, yeah. John on white Lake, this is in the eighties. And, we were fishing brown weighted dragons and mm-hmm. I, you had to cast in like we're in deep water. Oh no, sorry. Correct that. I'll edit that. Mm-hmm. We're on like a point say, and we cast it out into deep and had to bring it up into the shallows super fast and super low on like a type seven. And man, right. it would not, they wouldn't take it any other way. It had to be coming at the shore kind of on the point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. And then, and then those are things that you learn, right? And and those are things that you you need to try down the road, right? And then yeah. just, you go, oh, I remember, I remember this one time. Maybe we should try that. Yeah. And sometimes you do, and, and boom, there it is, right? So put it in the old vault. Yeah. So yeah, well, exactly. I'm I'm curious, somebody that fishes as much as you do, um, mm-hmm. 
what kind of rod, like what brand rods? Are you a brand guy? You're like, I have to have a Sage. I have to have a Loomis. I have to whatever. Or do, or do you just kind of fish a bunch of different rods, whatever works for the, the scenario you're fishing? Uh, talk us through your, your gear a little bit. Okay. So, yeah, starting off, um, you know, obviously I didn't have all the high-end rods that, you know, most guys had and stuff like that. Um, so, um you know, going along, it got me by, but then as I was getting a little more serious into the competition, um, I, you know, I started thinking, well, maybe I uh, want to, um, like I hear a lot of guys talking about Z, you know, the Z-axis, the Sage, and, uh, you know, how nice the rods they are. So I know Todd likes to use them and a few other guys that I know they're good anglers, and that's what they use. So, you know, I... I I, I started looking around and uh, I ended up finding uh, a friend of mine um, from up north and he was selling one used and I got it for like $200. It was a 10 foot five weight Z axis. They're pretty hard to find at that price. So um, anyways, um, because he was a friend, you know, obviously he gave me a pretty good deal. Um, I started using that rod and I really liked it. It's a really nice rod. Um, so then I asked him if he had a six weight and he did. So I got that. So, hmm. so those are basically my two, um, competition rods and rods I like to use, you know, when I'm casting my, my full sink lines and stuff like that. Um, the kids, my kids for Christmas got me a, uh, 10 foot four weight Z axis that they found used. And so that's my cutty rod. So that's a rod I like to go out and uh, hunt cutties with and, you know, with Randy and stuff like that, we go walk the sloughs and, and, um, that's a really nice rod keeps your, you know, it's light enough for the smaller fish and, um, and, uh, but yeah, it casts nice and it's got a, you know, it's not super stiff, right? It just, it casts a line nice. And, uh, so yeah, that and kind of a, an echo fan. I got some old echo rods that I really like. Um, my nymphing rod is an echo and, uh, I have an echo three, a 10 foot five weight. I absolutely love that rod. Yeah. So some people I talk to, the rod is the deal, or the line is the deal. It's rare yep. I hear somebody say, you've got to have an Islander. You've got to have, you know, whatever the brand or reel you have on there. Is there a certain one that you prefer? No, um, actually, I don't. Um, I'm kind of, I, I agree with what you said. The rod and the lines, is it makes it everything, right? Um, the reel basically holds holds your line. Um, unless you're going to a trophy lake and you're going to be getting into big stout fish, then you want to have a good drag. But, um, I like to have on average, probably five rods set up when I go each, each time wow. and have like, yeah, to have, you know, this reel has, so I got one reel to type seven, I got a type five, type three, um, an intermediate and then my, my uh, floating line. So I'll have like, I'll have all those covered. I'm all rigged to go on the rods. Um, yeah. So that when, uh, you know, I get on the lake and, you know, I start using one line and uh, all I have to do is just basically, you know, fold the rod in half and, uh, grab the next rod. It's ready to go, put it together, boom, casting out. So, um, I don't believe in fly reels, like spending a lot of money on the fly reels. Just, just, um, you know, I mean, you want to have a decent reel. You don't want to have, you know, no piece of crap. Right. But, um, Yeah, I do a lot of stripping. So when you're getting a fish, a lot of times the fish aren't, you know, strong enough to get onto the reel. I mean, sometimes you do, and that's awesome, right? It's like, yeah, I got a, I got one on the reel. It's great. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, you know I know what you mean. I yeah, I'm yeah. in the interior here, and it's like if I don't. Sometimes if I don't get some of these fish on the reel, I know I'm going to be in trouble. 
guess. Yeah, you know, I do. <laughs> depends on the size of the fish too, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, and um, even even when I'm like condiment fishing stuff, I you hook a fish, right? You're stripping on it right away. So and um, you know, yeah. you get the odd fish takes it gets it onto your reel, and uh, you know, most of the times, you know, if you're playing them quick and playing them fast and and properly, you know, a lot of times you don't have to go onto the reel. So I would imagine your steelhead is a little different. You probably invest in a little more in the reel in that department. Yeah, steelheading. Yeah, you can. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna want to have something that's a little bit heavier and stuff like that for sure, and and a really good drag. So yeah, for sure. So I've been dying to ask you this question because so one one thing I like to do on the program is 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 have the guest kind of describe your dream day, your oh. your day, your way, exactly how you want it to be. Now you're all over the map here between Stillwater, uh, you know, you're doing the the lock style fishing. Um, yep. If you had your day, walk yep. us through that. What what does it look like? What are you chasing? Okay, so my dream day would be somewhere down south, like Costa Rica. Um, I'd be on a small panga boat, and um, I would say it'd be like early morning, you know, when the winds are calm, and um, casting, you know, like a big streamer on a Type 8 um, to like small broken islands for, you know, for inshore fish. Um, I've always wanted to catch a rooster fish. Um, you know, GTs or something like that oh, on yeah. a fly rod. And yeah. And, and for me, like, um, to be casting like a full sink line and sinking it down. Um, I'm not a huge sight fisherman. Like I know a lot of people like just, just crave watching fish come and, you know, eating your fly and it's cool. But for me, the thrill, the excitement, um, is not knowing what you have, when you, you know, when you're playing, you know, when you, you're stripping, <laughs> yeah. you get the hit, you got the fish, the rods going real screaming, everything else. And, and it's that playing the fish and the anticipation of what am I going to bring up? Is it going to be my rooster? Is it going to be a GT or, you know, is it going to be a CUDA? You know, what is it going to be? Right. And I've done some fishing down in Mexico and stuff. Um, you know, just trolling and, and stuff like that. I've never done any fly fishing. So for me, that would be my dream day would be, would be to do that, you know, get my rooster fish, um, you know, at the end of the day, cruise back with a cold beer and, you know, get back to the resort, jump in the pool under the palms and have a big pina colada and just enjoy the day. <laughs> Watch a little Raider football, maybe. Yeah, right. Exactly. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, that was my dream day. Yeah, those roosters, I don't know what it is about those fish, but I, I agree. Um, did you ever see, I look at this video all the time, and I can't remember if it's a GT or a rooster. It might be a GT, but some, some guy <laughs> films this vid with, he ties a fly out of a flip-flop. Have you seen that mm-hmm. one? And he just throws no. it. It's, it looks like a duck, okay? He's got, it's got the, it's yeah. a flip-flop, and he, it's just on a giant hook. And he catches mm-hmm. this GT, and I'm I'm telling you, the runs on this, it's yeah. like on the beach, and I'm just like, wow, that's uh. And you're in beautiful yeah. places, right? You're in you got warm yeah. weather, something yeah. probably cold to drink, maybe a few palm trees. Yeah. It sounds pretty good. Yep. Oh yeah, and rooster fish are so beautiful, and pound for pound, they say pound for pound, they're one of the hardest fighting fish. So, so one day, one day, Mark, one day I'll have yeah. my rooster. Well, yeah. I'm sure it'll happen. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna ask you. Is there anything that you think 
we could be doing better as a group, fly fishers. Um, you know, whether it's environmental, whether it's, um, you know, etiquette, is there anything that kind of irks you that you're seeing a little bit in, in fishing today? You know, I'm, I can't really say, um, I think if anything, it's gotten better, um, as, as we go along. Um, you know, people seem to handle fish better, um, you know, um, play fish better and stuff like that. Um, you know, etiquette, you know, some guys, you know, get a little bit snarly, like, you know, keep them wet. And, and, you know, at some point, you know, I, I understand that, but you know, sometimes these are just fish in a lake that, you know, are meant to be taken. Right. So if you're catching and releasing a lot, right. You know, a pitcher quickly here or there is not going to hurt a fish or anything like that. So, um, but I think overall, I think fly fishing has gotten really good. And, um, and I think the etiquette has definitely got better. So I I don't see a lot of shenanigans or anything like that. Right. So, Mm. um, I think as, as a whole, as a fly fishing community, I I think we're, we're, we're doing a really good job. And, uh, I agree. I I think it's, I mean, especially someone that's been doing it a few years, you think back 35, 40 years, uh, it wasn't nearly as good as it is now in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it has changed that way, and, and again, even in the comp fishing, you know, like when we're we're doing that, right? We're we're getting those fish in like super quick, right? Quick little measure, and then boom, they're you know they're they're released right away, right? And uh, you don't want to harm the fish, and everybody's so good about that. Yeah, you know, you don't you don't get guys are very clumsy. Also, you don't want to drop the fish either, right? So get it in the net, get it measured, you know, get it back, and in a way go try to get another one. So. Um, but yeah, no, I think overall as a group, but I'm pretty happy with watching everybody fly fishing and how well they're doing. And, and um, yeah. it seems like most care. Where, where do you think the most growth is occurring right now? I mean, you know, whether it's on the still or on the river with the youth, um, more women hitting the water, where do you mm-hmm. see in your mind, uh, some of the biggest kind of changes and, and, and kind of areas for growth in the sport? Um, well, I, you know, obviously with, with all the new technology, um, you know, with phones and, you know, Facebook and, and everything else, right? Um, people are learning stuff a lot quicker, a lot faster. Um, I see I see pretty good growth with, with the youth. Um, you know, we could do more to get more youth out, and that's what we're trying to do. Um, and uh, I see uh, more women getting involved now, which is which is a good thing. Um, because there's some really good female anglers out there. And I think once, you know, they get, they get to know it and do it, you know, a lot of women really like fishing. So, um, I think that's, that's a big growth. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, the competitive side, it, 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 I think it just kind of maintains There's a lot of people that don't really want to compete and that's, that's fine. Right. Um, there's some guys that want to, so, um, I think that's just kind of staying level. Um, and I think, with the pandemic, um, a lot more people are learning to fly fish in the last year and a half, two years, um, because they can't go anywhere. So, yeah, um, I, yeah. And I think that's going to increase the numbers, you know, probably of people on the lakes and stuff like that. So, cause I think they're starting to realize that they really enjoy it. And, you know, with the salmon numbers dwindling and stuff like that, and, you know, know all the um, restrictions and stuff like that you know people are getting kind of tired you know i don't i can't tell you how many times i see you know gear fish you know gear for sale um you know so i don't know if they're all starting to go fly fishing now or what they're doing right so interesting 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you had anything weird or wonderful happen to you in your time on the water, whether it's in the competitions that you're in all over the place uh, in Canada and the States or just in personal time on the water? Have you had any weird wildlife encounters, anything you, that comes to mind you want to share today? <laughs> well, um, a wildlife encounter? Um, uh, yeah, I I was fishing um, a small, we were, we were doing a small little comp. There were probably only 10 of us, and we were doing a small river, just a small river. And so I had my little section or beat area to fish. And uh, so I was down at the river, and I just got there, and I just started to fish it. And it was one of the better pieces of water. And I thought, man, if I can get a couple fish out of here, I'll be doing really good. And I thought, for sure, there's got to be a fish. And I literally did, like, two casts. And I looked across the river and like there was a bridge right there. And just on the other side of the bridge, I looked and here comes this small buck and he's going 400 miles per hour down the river right at me. Like he just, I don't know, a cougar, I don't know what chased him off the other side of the hillside, but he came screaming down and he leapt, like leaped from the other side off the rocks right into the middle of the river where I was fishing didn't even see me there and he just went right past me and he came out of the water and he was standing 10 feet beside me and he didn't know I was there at first wow. and then he just looked at me and I was like I didn't even want to move and he was like breathing real hard right and then boom he's gone wow that's <laughs> yeah. wild oh it was yeah I mean you know thankfully I didn't see whatever was chasing him or whatever yeah. so but I, you know I kept my eyes out right so um yeah is there anything that we haven't covered tonight that we should? I mean, I feel we've been chatting today with John Wilkinson out of Abbotsford, BC, and I feel like I could talk to you all day, man. It's uh, it's truly uh, it's nice just to kind of get the lay of the land from somebody that you know takes this pretty seriously. I know you have a lot of fun out there at the same time, but I know, you know, you're doing the, your research. You're trying to you're fishing with some real high end good rods and 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 you are inspiring a lot of people at the same time and for me that's that's got to be where we learn right i think if you can surround mm-hmm. yourself with people that are good at what they do yeah. it's it's like osmosis right you're just going to pick it up yeah and, and and that's exactly it like you know now that i've learned you know from the last 10 years of competing right and still going forward and everything i learned i mean i'm sharing that with with my brother who you know, he's a big time hunter now, right? But now he gets to enjoy, you know, and see what I do, and um, you know, and and learn, right? And I and I I really like to share that with um with with a lot of people. Have you um, got especially people that don't know it, right? So have you got any comps coming up now? Things are kind of starting to. Uh, I mean, it's it's a bit of a weird yeah. year. Let's face it, with the fires and whatnot in BC, but um, yeah, where where are you going next when you can? What's what's coming up in the next? even full full 12 months out what's happening well so um well when covid hit um you know in march just over a year ago um we i went down with team canada um to new zealand um, for the uh for the commonwealth fly fishing championships and uh we practiced down there so that was with uh bob and colette stroud and mike uh, daniel kavich um, who owns a store at Casting Loops? Throw a little, throw a little Love in it. for him there. Love it. They're open now. <laughs> yeah, they're open now. Yeah, and uh, and Mike Learmont. Um, so that was our team, and uh, there was another team from back east that went also, and we practiced down in New Zealand for for uh, 
seven days, I think it was, and then and then that's when Canada called us back and they said get home now, and we didn't know what to do, and they were still going to go through the competition and stuff like that, and which they did, um, but we had to leave. So um, on best interest, so you know we we got back here. So um, so we never did get to compete, but uh, the Commonwealth Championships are coming up um, next year, twenty twenty two in Scotland on the Isle of Islay. And um, it's uh, mostly bank fishing, you know, fishing from shore, and um, and I think one lock style, so one boat session. Um, so uh, I've got my name in there for that, and I'm hoping that um, you know I'll get, I'll get selected for that. And uh, as long as COVID and everything works out, then maybe I'll get my shot to to get over there and um, and uh, you know fish Scotland and and um, do that, represent Canada, and. Uh, Hopefully, learn a little bit more, obviously, from over there. And um, you know, we're going to be we're going to be getting the competitions going here. I don't. We're going to try to get them going at the end of this season, maybe in the fall. But right now, you know, with the warm temperatures, um, you know, the fires um, and COVID kind of still around. You know, a lot of uncertainty, right? And um, right. so, uh, so if we do, maybe it'll be something. You know, in the fall. If not, then we'll uh, gear up for. Uh, for next um, spring and then we'll probably get back onto our, you know, back onto our competing tour, I guess is what you call it. And, you know, do multiple rivers and, and lakes and, um, and hopefully the Nows will be next year. Um, there's some teams from all across the world that want to come to fish the Nows. You now it's getting pretty big and the word's out there. So uh, I really hope that can, uh, I'll be back for 2022. So That was, was that uh, slated for, Batstone, Corbett, and shoot, where's the other lake? The Roche. What Roche? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So Tunkwa, Tunkwa, Roche, Corbett, and Batstone. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Tunkwa, we do like we split Tunkwa in half, and we do like an east and a west. Um, so, you know, on average, you have ten teams. There's fifty competitors. Um, you know, and they everybody split up on the lakes, and so um, it's only six or seven boats per lake. For, for three hours so wow and that's so, is that with so, a well, drogue you know. what do you call it a dro- um is that wind yeah sorry? with a drogue yeah drogue yeah. yeah so it's it's lock style fishing um which means yeah two to a boat sit on a two by ten plank so um you know you always bring your cushion um and uh, yeah i use a uh, drogue which you can throw at the back like a paradrogue um which is quite big paradrogues like um uh five five by five feet or six by six so it's quite a big wall that you can throw behind you and you just drift with the wind and you cast um you know as you're drifting down the lake with the wind at your back and you cast straight forward or to the side with using the wind Um, but you also come up on your fly quicker too so Hmm. if um if it's really windy you know you you want to get down deeper you have to use you know faster lines and stuff like that but uh i got a stupid i got a stupid question for you so so you're doing your drift you're getting the wind so all of a sudden you're blown to the far side of the lake now what yeah so uh yeah so when we get to towards like the we're getting close to the shore and you're almost bass fishing at that point which you still pick off fish what's fun in the fall um, cause they're right in tight. Um, you know, you'll say to your partner, okay, um, we're getting pretty tight. Um, you know, we've got to pull the drogue in, right. And get the motor going before you get right to the shore. So it's like, okay, one more cast. Okay. And then we'll do one more cast, bring it in. And then the person, um, that's not running the motor, the other guy, he pulls the drogue in 
puts into the boat. The other guy gets the motor going and then uh, you zip out and then you go, you know, down back down the lake or, you know, set around and get set for another drift, hmm. depending on which way the wind's going and stuff like that. And, cool. you know, once you turn around, you throw out the drogue and it takes about 10 or 15 seconds to deploy right up and it slows you right down. It's actually a great way to fish, um, especially in the spring and the fall when the fish are, uh, you know, in the shallows and stuff like that, it's it's just awesome because you're sneaking up on them, right? You're not going over them; you're coming up to them, so you're casting to them. So it's right. good you don't spook it. Yeah, there's yeah. always something to be said for casting to fish that haven't been fished over. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they haven't like taken off, right? You're trolling. That's why you got troll. Usually, you got to troll your line way back there, right? You know, wait for the fish to come back. <laughs> your good buddy Randy mentioned the same thing. You got to have enough line yep. that they kind of forget that you're you've gone by, and then boom. Yeah. Yeah. There's some truth to that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, John, thanks yeah. so much for doing this, man. I I I really yeah. appreciate it. I wish you all the best of luck in the uh, coming comps that uh, I'm sure you know they're going to happen soon. So. Um, thanks yeah. for taking the time yeah. and sharing with uh, with our listeners today. No, well, thank you for having me. It's it's been a pleasure, and uh, yeah, I'm uh, I can't wait. Maybe we can get out in the water together ourselves. So, sounds like a plan to me. We've been chatting with John Wilkinson out of Abbotsford, British Columbia, Canada. John is a competitive fly fisher, North American Lock Style Championships, Canadian National Championships, 2018 U.S. National Championships in Bend, and the BC Fly Fishing League. Um, check, check out that, uh, that fly fishing league. Cause I think there's a lot to be learned from that. And I know I'm sure a lot of these things you can follow on Instagram and Facebook. Um, either, uh, John, actually John, well, before we let you go, what's your, what's your Instagram handle or Facebook? If somebody wants to kind of see what you're up to. Um, so, um, on Facebook, you can find me under my name, John Wilkinson. Um, and I'm not on, uh, I don't, I'm actually not on Instagram. So yeah, cool. that's one of the things that I have to, uh, kind of get on to but I've, I've just never done instagram yet so but i'm definitely on uh, facebook um you can follow me there and on still waters and stuff like that still waters right 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 yeah, and, and yeah. probably fly bc too yeah fly bc i uh i contribute a bit here and there um yes for sure and uh but yeah i always like to post a few things and stuff like that for sure so all innovative right. fly fisher is another good one too for, well, for sorry what was once again into con- uh the innovative fly fisher okay that's yeah. uh, a uh, site that Todd does. Um, and, you know, it's mostly competition stuff, but there's lots of other good stuff on there. Photos, reports, um, you know, um, uh, everything on how to fly fish, basically, competition or not. So, yeah, there's lots of good information on there. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.